Welcome to Invasion of Privacy. I'm Kate Wolf, and today I have a guest I'm very excited about. Duncan Trussell is here. Hello. And you are a well-known comic, and you have a really well-known podcast, The Duncan Trussell Family Hour. That's right. And I've listened to a couple. I'm actually not a podcast person, which is crazy having your own. No, that makes sense. I like visuals. Yeah. So it's hard for me to just to listen to something. I could watch a podcast, actually. That I helps li- I me. like audiobooks. Do you? Yeah, but I, you know, the thing, as I was listening to this audiobook I'm listening to, I realized that I should be listening to a podcast if I'm traveling, because I think what's beautiful about podcasts is you kind of go in and out of them mentally. Like, it's not, yeah. there's not the heavy weird burden of like reading a book and not wanting to miss any critical key component like with a podcast it's more like listening to a river go by or something that's it's not quite an an active engagement as much as it is with other stuff so it's maybe i'll start listening to some you know do you listen to podcasts then or not really (laughs) no i don't i i sometimes like i've listened to this american life a little bit and i listened to a really good podcast about people who started their own businesses and how they did it. It was pretty cool. It's just stories of like, like the woman who made Spanx, you know, and, and like these insane stories of the grueling hard work they put in for years and years and years. Like she used to sell typewriters door to door and then sort of the insane, like confidence that they have, like, and it's always, there's some spiritual component too. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. So those are good. Did you see Joy, the movie Joy? No, I didn't. Well, it's about the woman who invents a special kind of mop and just the trial she had to go through and really stick with it. She got she got a lot of no's and then, you know, there were so many, like she had the, the manufacturer make it and got screwed over and she yeah. just kept going and going. Yeah. And there was the spiritual component there where it, it actually helped me where I'm like, okay, you just got to keep, no matter what obstacles you hit, you just got to keep finding your way around them and not give yeah. up. And look for, I mean, the cool thing about obstacles is they're the other side of success, you know? So like yeah. when you hit one, you're like, you know, you've come to a place where if you could just swim into the pain. I mean, when you think about like, what is everybody doing? avoiding pain at all costs. Like that's the secret room of the house is pain. And you're not supposed to, I don't mean pain like, unless you're into it or whatever. I don't mean like cutting yourself or what, but I mean like that shit your entire being is averse to, but you know is healthy. Anytime you swim into that stuff, it hurts only for a second. And then your life glows in this incredible way, at least for a little while, or you get crushed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the only way out is through, right? Yeah. Because you're deeply into all the spiritual work, too. And the funny thing is when you, for me, when I first got into spirituality, I was like, oh, great, I'm going to be flying with the fairies yeah. and the angels and not in pain anymore. And it's not about escaping your feelings or you, your humanity. It's entering, like you would say, that room of pain, in yeah. a sense, and changing your relationship to it. Yeah, that's definitely one of the processes that 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 helps i think just doing it is amazing i mean it's just a just making the decision that you're going to let yourself be a little less comfortable i mean i'm doing this whole experiment like i got really comfortable in la came here to new york and i know new york isn't like i know i didn't parachute into like libya or something like it's clearly a hedonistic beautiful city with delicious food everywhere but there is a edge to it that i have never experienced anywhere really never 
Not, not, it's certainly not in LA. I mean, LA is so spread okay. out. Everyone's a little bit more relaxed. But here, the population density is so high. It seems like people are uh, having to really, really focus. And they all have... It's really cool to watch the way the human swarm breathes you know because like the whole thing is like it's all these individual pixels of a super intelligence that are all <clears throat> clearly engaged in the same activity which is living in new york city generating energy to live and yet every single one of them is completely separated from the other so yeah no one will look at anyone else it's a trained sort of politeness you don't want people looking at you it's like it's too much to deal with because yeah. you're, you're sort of filtering out all the input and if someone starts gazing at you in some weird way it creates you have to run some whole other behavioral <laughs> program when you're trying to catch a train so i get it i'm not complaining like oh everyone in new york frowns all the time i get it because yeah. they're like harnessing the super powerful energy that's here which is for some reason this particular part of the world has sucked into it a massive population of human beings and that population of human beings is like going through this amazing respiratory process of like moving through the city. It's a beautiful thing to watch. It's alive. You yeah. know, by the way, you know, the um, concept of, okay, you know what bibliomancy is. I'm no. sure. Bibliomancy is opening up the Bible and, and, and pressing or not pressing God, Jesus. Oh, landing your finger somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I do. it's called bibliomancy. Whatever you press, Press. We're li we're fucking. God damn it. That's nuts. I'm it's like the the Bible iPhone. Yeah, my brain is like oh, books aren't real anymore. You moved to New York City and uh, everything changes. Everything's buttons. Uh, so whatever your finger um, touches, that will be the prediction or to show you something. You're obviously it's all random variables that you're assigning yeah. meaning to. So there's another form of of this, which is you go into a crowd of people with a question and you sit in a place that's crowded and listen. And then imagine that you're surrounded by this super organism and you've sort of asked it to help you solve a problem and then listen and inevitably some conversation will pop up that has something that you need to hear in it that you can then apply to your predicament or whatever it is that you're that's beautiful and it's so true. I've done the thing, so I'm in a, a spiritual program and they had one day where they took out Torah, the Torah, and you know, you landed on it, and the, for the whole class, it was the theme of that thing. Yeah. So I definitely, and I read tarot cards, so I clearly yeah. believe in the things that come up sure. you can read into and affect your life. But I have noticed that before because a lot of people don't pay attention to the energy of the environment and how much it does affect you. Yeah. So, do you ever hear of a woman named Teal Swan? By yes, any I have. But I'm not. You have to remind me of who that is. She's. She calls herself the spiritual catalyst. She's amazing. She uh, she calls herself an Arcturian. Cool. Do you know about she's the an Arcturians? Alien? Well, I mean, she's not, but she kind of hails from that planet. She oh, says, I see. and um, I used to. I'm still really into alien stuff, but mm. I used to be more into it. I think as a way to it's escape coming. myself. To... I know how exciting. Yeah, you feel that too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. How do you think it's going to manifest? Um. Well, first of all, I think the government already knows, obviously, mm. and that the information's out there if you want to look for it. Yeah. So it's kind of already here. Right. And then crop circles, I believe that a lot of them are alien-made. A lot of them are man-made. And a lot of them are actually made by our collective unconscious. Mm. So I think the things are already here in a sense, but in terms of the masses waking up to it, well, I already think that there are so many sightings and they're popping up more and more. Yeah. 
So I think there probably is going to be a bigger sighting that's going to be almost undeniable. Hopefully a beautiful one where there's less panic. Yeah. Because if it looks like that's why I, I I'm into the alien movies and stuff, but I also get so upset. Cause I'm like, no, there are evolved aliens and they're trying to help us ascend. Like right. it's not all just like, they're not going to come down with laser guns beaming our heads off. No. So hopefully, well, those are our projection. That's like, yeah, the projection of what we are. That's what we would do if we went to another planet. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and then also that's the, we project our own, Whatever our the highest tech thing that we have to refer to, we project that onto the aliens too. So yeah, you know they'll come in a some kind of spaceship, mildly reminiscent of something that looks incredibly fancy. Except for the newest Alien movie, which is pretty badass. Did you see the new one? Oh, I didn't see Arrival, and everyone's oh, so like, good. Kate? You'd love it. I'm obsessed with the Alien stuff. Yeah. And I can already feel... First of all, it came out on 11-11, which is a very synchronistic, special huh. number. And it's been calling me, but I have a 10-year-old son, so when it comes to movie time... I kind of not for a ten year old. I mean, it's not like it's violent or anything, but he probably he or she he he, he might get bored. I don't know. It's I not think your, he might. Yeah, he's the one who actually woke me up. I used to be atheist, and then starting at a really young age, I thought when we died, that was it. And he was like, "You're wrong. We're all energy. We keep going." And wow. he said, "I came down here to wake you up." Wow. So he's the one that That's I mean, cool. I I should bring. I, he had a they had Martin Luther King Day three years ago and it was like I have a dream and his dream was I want everyone to realize we are just energy walking around and we're gonna wake up Uh, and he said something like we are all aliens if you take a step back and look at it and his teacher just wrote wow very deep (laughs) like you could tell she was like what the hell is going on that's nuts yeah so maybe I could take him but we're gonna go see the movie sing this cartoon movie tomorrow better for him but I really want to see Arrival yeah, it's a it's incredible. I I think that we have constructed the way we expect this thing to happen and that expectation is hi- like the the thing itself is hiding behind that expectation because it knows yeah. where we're not looking. So always it works like that. Yes, I feel like always not what you expect and that's always. that's the game of peekaboo that it's playing with us. Yeah. But the um I really like McKenna's idea of what's happening. You know, the idea that we're about to enter into a, the computers are about to wake up and that this will create an event called the singularity. And the singularity is so powerful that it sends particles backwards through time. Like the explosion is so powerful that it's like sending particles in the reverse of the time space continuum. These are called tachyon particles. And as they move through time and space in the wrong direction, like salmon swimming upstream, the, um, byproduct is novelty events. So Ooh. if you start looking at like what has happened since say September 11th, okay, and then you kind of chart out huge events of that magnitude that have within them a, an, an essential quality of being novel, like the whole planet stops for a second to be like, what? Mm-hmm. And you look at that, you'll see that those things are happening with uh, increasing frequency. And the idea is that, of course, the closer we get to the this moment in time, the more we're going to start seeing these novelty events. Donald Trump, for example, is a novelty event yep. in the most extreme way. Whatever you think about him, you can't deny the fact that this is not what was expected. Yes. We thought Hillary Clinton was going to be president. It's not. It's the host 
of Celebrity Apprentice, this billionaire, <laughs> right? So that's a novelty of it. Yes. And so then now, but then suddenly as he's like ascending to the presidency, this stupid spy thing emerges, the piss thing, the golden shower thing, right? Yeah. So then that's another novelty event because that's yeah. just so bizarre. There's who, like where in human history has the, or in the history of the United States is a president <laughs> been accused of like enjoying golden showers i don't think ever for like never well, George, at least i'm in the sure records. there has been a president who enjoyed it we just didn't know them. about all it. of them we There's weren't gifted room. that but but it's so strange to think that like okay so that when in his legacy yeah there's going to be that little tiny tidbit that people are going to look at and be like, wow, that's I have a feeling weird. we're going to have even more better nuggets from him. For the sure. golden showers might not even stand out by no. the time we're done with no. that presidency or who even knows. I don't even know what's about to unfold. Well, it's what you're saying. All these novelty events that are going to be happening. They'll start happening with greater frequency. It'll start yeah. happening every day. There's going to be a, you know, I don't know if you, I just read this article how they're already trying to, place some form of human rights on the robots that are coming to and assigning to them responsibility for their actions so that they can be for legal reasons based on their ability to be autonomous you can assign different like it, and it's like i don't know it's a, a to me it's like that is the strangest thing to think that we are so aware of yeah. the fact that this intelligence is emerging onto the planet and i think that's the alien you know the wow. singularity is the alien the it's it's the ufo landing is the point where history ends for us and where um who knows what it will there's no way to predict what it is because we will come into contact with a sub, sub, uh, an intelligence mm -hmm. so advanced but what's even crazier about it is it's like not just like when we so like in star trek we have the whatever some advanced species they they stay at that level of advancement so in star trek most alien movies you run into an alien whatever their current intelligence level is that's it they're not constantly getting smarter yeah but this thing that we're going to run into is exponentially getting yeah. smarter in every millisecond so it is dying and being reborn again and again and again as a more advanced intelligence and we're like about to slam into that thing uh, and and I think that must be if that if that's not the UFO I don't know what it is. Of course, the other possibility is the uh, that we become technologically advanced enough to have better radio telescopes or something, and we can pick up stuff that maybe we haven't seen before. So that's possible too. That sounds like a maybe extra little side thing, but because what you're describing, it makes me so emotional, and that's normally how I know. Yeah. <laughs> when it starts to vibrate within yeah. my body to the point where I just want to cry. Yeah. And that's. You know, I love how you're describing the details of it because the way I've kind of navigated, quote unquote, spirituality, whatever that really is, because we're all spiritual beings, whether we're awakened to that, is um, I kind of feel my way through it, but I don't do as much research as maybe I should. Yeah. Because the way you're describing it, it's fascinating and it's blowing my mind. But I always say, I'm like, a singularity is coming, a singularity is yeah. coming, and I can feel it in my body. And I'm fascinated with like Westworld, I don't know if you watched sure. that, um, Black Mirror, some of the Black Mirror yeah. episodes. And I, you know, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're all tapping in perfectly accurately. They're they're tapping into a thread and then I think they go into a very fearful yeah, state of always. it. Always, right? That's our projection. Exactly. It's that fear. We go yeah. to the fear side because the unknown is fearful. Because we're afraid fearful. of it, naturally. And I get it because 
the unknown when it, it's it's dark whatever you know whatever dark really means so we're terrified mark, yeah. yeah exactly we're not used to really riding the waves of the mystery but i know it's coming and i don't know exactly what is coming i know it's what you're describing but we none of us really know what's on the other side of this singularity because we can't with our human limited brain really imagine you can't at all it's because they say it's the first 30 minutes or day theoretically and the theories are based on pretty good mathematical models of a self-improving machine and when it reaches a level of human intelligence how long before it reaches a super intelligence and then how long once it reaches a super intelligence would it take for it to begin to like becomes you know basically something unrecognizable so they do have like a fairly good way mathematically of understanding it so the idea is like within the first day twenty thousand years of human progress so think of if so to understand it think about going back in time twenty thousand years and asking someone twenty thousand years ago what they would predict twenty thousand years in the future would look like and you couldn't people weren't even riding horses back then so um you couldn't you couldn't so in the same way we can't that's what's beautiful about it now obviously this is the mind of god this is when you when you hear these descriptions of god it's always inconceivable incomprehensible so impossible to grasp it's like the i am is the only way the, the, the infuriating way it describes itself or has described itself in a lot of other ways too but the so it's that is that thing we're about to like I don't know what it could be. Then someone could turn the simulation off. Could be a simulator. The veil just falls. <laughs> you know what that means? The veil falls, though, right? No. You know what the term what? apocalypse translates into? No. The lifting of the veil. Oh, really? Apocalypse yeah. is the lifting of the veil. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, I can already tap in sometimes to the other side of the veil. Like sometimes I'll see, you know, hints of other beings and yeah. things like that. But I can't. I, of course, once again, you can't imagine. I can't imagine what the actual lifting of the veil would look like, you know, whether it would be chaos or if suddenly we'd all remember, so there's not chaos. It's, once again, it it makes me just emotional and then I try to not fall into my fear with it because I asked my my teachers of the the school I'm in, the most lovely Buddha-like beings, um, because I do have a lot of terror that lives in my body from childhood Mm. and just probably our collective terror. And I was just like, how do you know God is a loving being? Like, yeah. I'm surrendering Great to what? Question. Like, because <laughs> sometimes it feels like I am in this matrix thing that's scary matrix, not just yeah. like love and light. And I'm like, how do I know that I'm not a slave to robot machines? Yeah. How do I know? And And my... He didn't, I always ask questions. I never fucking directly answer them. They're always just like, feel it, feel it in your body. But he just looked at me, once again, the most loving being where just looking at you, you start to tear up. And he just said, how do you feel with me looking at you right now? And Mm. I just said, love. And he said, go with that right now. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Shout out to Jeff. But um, that's the thing that kind of gets me through is the feeling of connection of, when I look at my son, that's just the easiest way for me to access that thing. Yeah. And I look at him and that beauty and what I feel love truly is. Yeah. And I go, okay, I think everything's going to be okay. Sure. But. Because that exists. Yeah. Because once you've ex- established, all right, well, this particular 
energetic field exists in the universe, this unadulterated love, then from that you can start asking other questions that are way more important than what does the alien look like that's coming with yeah. and it's and, and makes a little more sense because if you know the if you know love well then from that that's a fractal that you can unfold infinitely to really begin to understand how hilarious and just simultaneously and compassionate and yet vicious yeah this thing is that we are all part of because it is to think that it's not vicious this is this is the um chapter seven of the Bhagavad Gita, the the chapter where Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer quoted it when the nuclear bomb went off, which is called the universal form, when Krishna revealed to Arjuna, the warrior, and they had been friends for a while. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bhagavad Gita, but Krishna, God, it was some one point in this dialogue, reveals God's self to Arjuna. And Arjuna is like shocked by it. But one of the things, you know, there's it's Hinduism and it's uh, in verses that are meant to be sung. So it's very, it's poetic. But one of the verses is I have behold, I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. And Arjuna is saying, I see in your mouth, everyone you're chewing the, you're devouring the universe. I'm watching you devour time. And then, and then, and then Arjuna says, can you please go back to being your normal forearm self? Because I can't deal with this fucking thing. <laughs> but that's the... So the idea is like, how does it talk to us? Yeah. How would it talk to us? And in bhakti yoga, when you talk about your child, the different ways that Krishna interacts with people are broken down into the different relationships you can have with God. So it's, a, it's far more complex than a lot of other religions. And so the relationships are you could uh, be friends with God, you can be God's lover. You can be um, God's parent. You can be God's parent because yeah. Krishna incarnates as a child. And I, I was interviewing this um, Brahmachari Hari Krishna teacher about why. Why does God want to be a child? And he's like, because to, to, to become the most vulnerable thing. Yeah. And that is so smart to imagine the source of all data in the known universe, communicating with all pixels of sentience according to their particular language and whatever particular evolutionary cycle they are, to appear to us as a child. And then, not like a Krishna child, but literally this beautiful being in your yeah. life. That's God. Yeah. That's it. And the lesson is always the same. It's just some version of like, well, here's what love is. Yeah. And love's the best thing. Well, I was saying last night, I had my going deep healing event and I started it by saying, because there was a sign in the bathroom, I did it at this place called Reflection Center for Conscious Living. And there was a sign in the bathroom that, that was saying, love isn't what you do, love is what you are. Mm. And, mm -hmm. and I, I started by saying like, well, what the fuck does that even mean? Like there's yeah. a part where you're like, oh, that sounds so good. Well, what, what is love? Yes. Like what, you know, we, we can all say it's all love and then be left still feeling so confused. What, what is, is, is that? thing and i described my son was a month old once again i was atheist i was not yeah. into any of this stuff and he smiled at me with this gummy beautiful pure vulnerable smile and it broke me into a thousand pieces yeah. and i don't know if i would have described it as that then but it was that sh moment of i just got shattered it was like these ripples yeah started going through wow. me 
And it started the whole process to where I'm now. And it took a lot of other things to shatter me open. And I'm still going through shattering after shattering. But it was that pure vulnerable love. I couldn't see my beauty at that point. I had too much self-hate to recognize the God within me. But I could look at this vulnerable, beautiful thing that I had created or helped create and it was like a mirror to my own divinity and he still breaks me open yeah. constantly. I mean, he's a little Buddha. Like the th- <laughs> he won't be able to sleep and I'll come in and be like, I was just thinking about death and like, <laughs> you know, it's all just constantly changing and I'm, it's giving me a bit of <laughs> wow. like anxiety. I mean, wow. he's, he's incredible. Sometimes I feel guilty. Like I should have childhood, like given more of a childhood, but I'm really bad yeah. at like, you know, I, I want to have real talks with him probably too much. I'm like, let's talk about, are we robots? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, what is a childhood anyway, except yeah. exploring anything you want to with your True. mind, you know, within reason. We're trying to get back to that childlike nature <laughs> um, anyway. But but yeah. yeah, but the point was, is that's to me, you know, when you're talking about why would God want to incarnate as a baby? It's just such a pure form of love and children just get to be free and they get to feel you know a baby can feel like 10 emotions in one minute and it's so magical and there's so much freedom in there and the more work i do like i just painted like 10 of my shirts the other day cool for the fun of it yeah i'm like i'm an adult but i get to be a kid yes and I think it's just so fun to get back to your truest nature. Right. That's what everyone says about having children. That's one of the ways in, for sure. Well, that's when you enter into the Grihastha ashram, is what it's called in Hinduism, which is the, there's these different, like, pathways to um, realization. One of them's the Brahmachari ashram, shave your head, go into the forest, surrender all your material possessions, yeah. and let go of the world. But then the other one is the Grihastha Ashram, which is householder life. And that's, they're both, can, as, and forgive me if someone out there is, has better info and this is wrong, but according to my understanding, they're both equally potent. Yeah. So it's not like one's better. It's not like becoming a monk is somehow, there's a spiritual hierarchy here. They're both yeah. uh, equivalent pathways to communing with the divine, and um, which is why you hear so many people talking about being healed by their children or, oh God, I just heard this great my girlfriend's uncle told us this Mexican saying, which is a baby comes with a sandwich under its arm. Really? Yeah. So when a baby incarnates, it brings with the child brings you something and that they come from the other place, whatever that is, or they, they incarnate. And I mean, it just depends on, there's so many different versions of what happens after we conk out here, but uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing to think about the, um, you know the Tibetan idea about where babies come from? No. I mean, not like fucking, but like we all know that, but like where their souls come from is... Um, so this is the bardos. So um, you die, and when you die, you're freaking out. Now this is a kind of... In a lot of different religions, this is a pretty much a universally accepted concept, which is death is not very comfortable usually. I mean, it might really? be if you're on a bunch of morphine or something. Oh, okay. But if you've identified yourself with a body for a certain number of years, and True. this is everything you know, and 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 um, and you're sick, 
you know, or you're, something's happened to you physically, you're not in the best health, obviously. If you're dying, right. you're not. No, no one's like, what? well, I guess if you got shot or something. But in general, if you're declining, or even if you are shot, you're not breathing anymore, so you're freaking out. So yeah. it's a freaky moment. And so a lot of different religions, Buddhism in particular, Christianity is more of like a surrender-based religion. You sort of just surrender to the love. But Buddhism is like can be very intellectual, and it's like, all right, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it's a guide for here's what's going to happen. And they read it to monks who have just died. And they're like, you know, you're freaking out. You're going to want to cling to this body. This body is dead. You can't hold on to this anymore. You've got to keep moving. You got. But basically, you see a light. Mm-hmm. And because you've been terrified, because you just went through the thing everyone's so scared of, you go towards the light. Or no, you go away from the light. You run away from the light. And then you see all the, a series of other visions. <laughs> and your reaction to these visions in general, depending on your spiritual momentum in this life, is going to be fear. Because you're freaking out. You're like, what the fuck? I'm dead. You get ripped apart by demons. It's horrible. Seven days of like the hell realms. And then you run, 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 run. I don't know if you have legs in this place, but you're, you're, you're getting a, your fear is your dominant or aversion is your dominant motivational force. Or maybe desire, addiction is motivating you, but you're not balanced. So the long and short of it is you see people having sex, apparently, like millions and billions or trillions, just a tapestry <laughs> of people having sex. And in this fear state, you run into one of those be- the, 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 those people. And, and that's why when babies, when they're born, they're crying because they've been running, running, running. And that's why in this life, we, we, we're so afraid because we're still experience. We're in a bardo. This is a bardo. Like this is death too. We're yeah. in a. We're in the cycle of death. Like this is the spirit world, and we're well to even manifest and have a physical body. You have to be in that dying place. Yes, yes that's right. Yeah, and it's terrifying. It's and you can tune into the fear that drives you yeah. deeper and deeper into the cycle of birth and death anything you do based on fear is always going to uh or generally is going to throw your life off a little bit if you're doing things that are fear if you're letting fear decide for you unless you're in a situation of extreme danger stand-up is the primary example right for us it's like think of like how terrified you are to go on stage sometimes and yet you do it you face the fear and it gives you this gift it's a meat and it seems like the way the evolutionary process works is that the, every time you go into your fear state, whatever it is that you're afraid of, and pass beyond it, you're given a gift, like we're yep. being trained or something. Like here, look, see, you went. Well, into- that's the part that I resist again sometimes, where I'm like, God, like why the fuck? Where you know, it, it's what you're saying, and it's also why does there have to be so much resistance for growth in the first place? Right. Like I get it. If you just coast through life, it seems that that's not a good petri dish or growing ground yes for things to grow yes. you need resistance for that thing to you know for the light to be able to seep in and you know but i'm yes. like why? why why is it so fucked up why like the that? pain yeah why the pain and this is the and it's and, and and that's a beautiful question but you realize like yeah it's the pain is beautiful and then you, when know. you start exploring the pain itself you realize this is all if you if you kind of start allowing yourself to subscribe to the mythology of any world religion, whatever it is, and you start living your life according to that paradigm, then the moment you let yourself move into a non-meaningless condition or a condition where the meaning is so very limited to a human incarnation, which a lot of atheists 
that's what they that's where they're at and and actually in the Hare Krishna say um Krishna for the atheist God is death so because that is the ultimate annihilation so yeah if you're someone who really doesn't believe that there is anything that happens after the physical form expires then you are in store for the most amazing thing ever something that you've never experienced the complete annihilation yeah i mean wow nothingness i mean that's heaven if you think about it in a weird way it's like whoa you mean yeah. the thing no one's experienced ever nothing no one's experienced nothing you you go to sleep and you wake up maybe you have a dream but if you don't have a dream and you just wake up you don't experience that span of time in between sleeping and waking so you don't get nothingness there you can't comment on nothingness you can't describe nothingness when you describe nothingness it becomes a somethingness. So just to say anything about it is to immediately transform it into something that it's not, which is a something. Yeah. So the point is, if you're an atheist, you really have constructed an amazing being at the end of your life cycle, which is something that no one has ever experienced. Nothingness. You have yeah. a meeting with a thing that <laughs> no one has ever felt. And who knows what that is? Well, I won't feel it, they say. Well, this is an infinite universe. We apparently are in an ever-expanding, infinite universe. And the, so that gulf of the end of your life cycle and the next thing, thing <laughs> to think that that gulf goes on forever and that you get to stay nothing forever is to form, now you formed heaven. Because now you're saying, okay, not only when I die do I get to come into contact with a thing no one's ever experienced, God for you, annihilation, but on top of that, upon my expiration, I get to experience nothingness forever. Complete relief from all pain, from all sentience, from all the problems of life, the complete annihilation of all of my karma, all of the things I've done wrong, everything that I've ever done wiped completely clean, the ultimate transformative process, and it goes on forever. You, those two th conceits, are so faith-based to me. To think that you can predict eternal annihilation, it seems identical to predicting eternal paradise. The two seem equally, yeah. they're, they're both sides of the same coin. They're, in a lot of different, they're, they're, at least in Buddhism and Hinduism, it's like, fuck that, you don't get out of this. You think you get out of this? I don't think I want out of this. I mean, you're, set, you're describing it and... I get the part of someone who would want that, that freedom from this thing. From the pain. Mm-hmm. And then a part of me, whether it's a negative attached to the pain or a positive attached to the pain, or probably both, because it's always yeah. both in this non-dual universe, um, thinks, no, I, I want this. You want to live. I, I want to live. Yeah. I want to be alive. I'm not sure why. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you know. Yeah, it's what I know. But then I guess, once again, who really, really knows what happens when you die? I was describing yesterday where I think it's almost like waking up from a dream that we, you know, we know what it's like to wake up from our dream here, but it's like a bigger kind of waking yeah. up thing. But I don't, I don't really know because I think we manifest here to look at ourselves. It's God yeah. looking and, and experiencing God. But I, I can't imagine what it's like to just be that thing because then you can't look at yourself then you don't have eyes to even experience i don't know yeah you you don't know i mean you can't know if you knew then you would be uh, either bullshit. a prophet or a cult <laughs> leader or both we don't know but you can 
so there's the something I like to refer to, and I always mispronounce it. The emerald tablet of her oh God, Herm, Hermes Trimestigerius. It's like this alchemical text that adds within it the principles of alchemy, which preceded chemistry. But one of the principles, a lot of them I don't really understand that much. Someone explained it to me in detail, and it's very, it's really smart, but as above, so below. So that's one yeah. of the principles. So as above, so below. That means that from this incarnation, we have all the data we need to figure out what that unifi- unified state might be like. Or at least we can, because because if that concept is, well, all things spring from some source, which is an arguable concept, but if you want to, like, we, we do know that everything came from, from some massive explosion 13.7 billion years ago called the Big Bang. So that's generally accepted by cosmologists. So you could start there. All things that, all the sum total of all data in this universe was at one point encapsulated in something that was apparently no bigger than the head of a pen and had within it your child and you and this conversation and Donald Trump being president and all the other things happening. All the other a, uh, dimensions that exist and yeah. all of it. And that is, now you're studying the Kabbalah. So what is that top part of the Kabbalah called? That's called the... The heavenly lights, you mean? Like the very Keter. First, so you have Keter, right? It's the, You have the first triangle at the very top of that Kabbalistic yes. tree of life, right? Yeah. Uh, Keter, Bina, and Hukmah. Okay, Keter pre-singular, pre-Big Bang conditions, right? Yes. Right? And then it manifests as these two uh, opposites, right? And then their tension produces the unfolding of... Yes. And then, so it goes from like those, that heavenly, very impersonal place, and then you go down to Malhut, which is the manifested physical, quote-unquote, evil. What evil really means is just furthest from spirit I thought Malkuth translates to Earth. Well, it is, but Earth also translates to evil which is evil, cool yeah. yeah i get it and and also in buddhism when uh, the buddha was tempted prior to the buddha's enlightenment it was mara the lord of the earth as uh-huh. it's called so it's a unique, that tempted yeah well yeah but i and i always thought oh that was satan or that's the buddhist idea of satan but it really isn't it's just the idea of like the personification of the worldly realm came mm-hmm. to this being that was about to wake up and become that unified consciousness in a human form. Yeah. And there were all these, there were the three temptations or three basically tests, trials. And um, yeah, so that, un- that, so we know that we have this <clears throat> incomprehensible top part to the Kabbalistic tree of life. What's it called? The heavenly lights, the heavenly kind of, lights, or or do you mean Keter? Keter, okay. Yeah, that the the origination. Because the point. three are the yeah, the three together are the heavenly closest to God, but Keter is the one you're talking about. That's, that's where it all starts. Yeah, that's the that's where that's so that's the beginning point. So that beginning point, we came out of. We now you can make that beginning point a spiritual thing, or you could just no. It would be hard to argue that we didn't come from the Big Bang. What we were before the Big Bang. Who knows? Is it a white hole? Was there another universe that preceded this universe that like burst into this one? Who knows? But for now, I I think it's safe to say we came from some super condensed data structure. Yeah. And that super condensed data structure is the cosmological equivalent to what most people call God. And so by studying the way that is manifesting as it unfolds into time, you can then from that study begin to ascertain what the personality of God might be like. And you can see all these components to the way God is. That's the sphero in the tree of life. It's the the ten sphero or the types or like the faces of God. Oh, cool. It's the the different consciousness that makes 
that thing up that's within all of us we have trees within trees within trees so for example you have um hesed and gavora they're in the middle of the tree yeah and hesed qualities are like flow water everlasting giving and then the other side directly in relationship to it is um gavora which is boundary justice Mm. structure and of course to be in relationship that's the thing think of the river with the boundaries the river banks kind of thing cool so yeah because that's a tension between those two yes yeah so those are just two different you know layers to god or consciousness whatever you'd really call those things but they're just qualities that you kind of enter into wow yeah yeah that's cool i like that you know and i like to in my own life kind of ask myself what is my relationship to this being and yeah. and and then from that, like it's it, it seems so. Why, like, what for me the, the the amazing thing is to is the fantasy that that's it. The condensed data f- set, the Godhead, as it's called, not only outflowed into the universe and we're all little parts of it, yeah, but also it is individually engaged and interested in every sentient being in its unfolding universe so it's interacting with itself and the medium through which its energies are being transmitted is love so it is love and it's it's, whenever it comes to you it's always like you know it's like a different shaped ice cubes all made of love yeah And, and and but it's not love in the way we might perceive love. No, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. That's the aspect of it that I think people forget is it's fucking wild. It's what this is not your good friend. You know, this isn't <laughs> your safe friend. This is not a helicopter parent. Yeah. It's completely comfortable watching you die, get addicted to heroin, watch you watching you do And then heal you from that at the same and time. Loving you the yeah. whole time. <laughs> you know, loving you, loving every single thing that you're doing. Not in the cheesy way of like, ah, oh, Jesus standing on the beach walking right. with me and he's like, Oh, I'll carry you now. You're fucking nodding out on heroin. I like Jesus's accent though. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is like, do some more heroin. Let's go deeper. Come on. Here. You could do more than that let's go that's all you got pussy here you go yeah Yeah, there is that aspect to it where it's like and that's where you enter into the book of job that's where you enter into that kind of god where it's like who the fuck are you i am what i don't i remember like i don't remember exactly what god says but it's something along the lines of like or it's i guess a better way to put it since i'm more familiar with that poem uh you know that poem it goes uh Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night, what a mortal hand or eye did frame thy fearful symmetry. And it's, you know, it made tigers. Tigers, like the most vicious yet simultaneously beautiful creatures, it made those things. Just like it made everything, just like all things, or it outflowed in one of the forms it chose was that of the tiger. So anyway, it's not safe. And I think that concept of God as some safe thing keeps a lot of people from exploring it yeah because it's been nerfed so people think i don't want to interact with that fucking moralistic thing i don't want to interact with some homophobic moralistic boring ass no fucking fun dumb obvious fear-based tribal crap construct that was invented by people terrified of death i don't want to interact of course you don't yeah who would a lot of people but 
for us, some of us, it's more exciting when you realize like, oh no, there's an entire left-hand path. There's a whole other side to this entity. And it will come to you according to exactly what you need at just the right moment. That's what's cool about it. And being it able to surrender to that thing, despite yeah. all of the panic and the, and the part, because we all have the survival mechanisms as well. Just basic, I don't want to die. Yeah. Because animals have that as well, right? Yeah. So it's also like balancing, oh, I want to take this risk and take the path unknown and unexplored while everything in my body is saying, stay safe, stay safe, stay safe yeah. and holding space for both of those opposing energies. Yes. And then that whole third thing gets created yeah. where now you can really, with this free will state we're in, decide where you want to go, yeah. but there's no right or wrong. Right. Well, don't do heroin. I shouldn't have used that as an example. Please don't do heroin. That's a really <laughs> so bad So guys, way if there's one thing to take from this. <laughs> don't do heroin. But also the, the other aspect of it is like, if we have this idea of a personified Godhead that has a multitude of personalities, then you, from you connecting with that, you bec you would become uh, an outflow point for that thing into the universe. So yeah. That's the other beautiful thing about it is if this thing can love you completely, even though you've made all the mistakes that you've made, I don't know if you have, but I certainly have, and yet the thing still loves you, the way your child looks at you, I love you no matter what. Yeah. If then, 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 then you could maybe love other people in that way too. So hard. But I was thinking about that, even just with my relationship to Trump, how hard it is to balance this rightful fear i have when i see him because i do get a very patriarchal misogynistic yeah. thing right but then there's another part that goes yes hold space for that because that's real but there's something i'm i think i'm missing something because there's so many people clearly relating to this man and he's speaking so many people's quote-unquote truth yeah or fears or whatever you call that he's speaking to yeah but trying to once again still allow my instincts to be honored which is that man has date rapist vibe written all over him yeah right and and that whatever that patriarchal i want to dominate i want to own i want this and everyone else is kind of a slave to me that's real and i don't like that my body hisses at that but at the same time i don't want to treat people who support him or voted for him as the enemy or something that's wrong and it's really hard to <coughs> i get it to navigate that you are going through the exact, like Trump is a koan of novelty given to humanity where no matter what side of the fence you're on, what he's doing is definitely teaching us something. Absolutely. So there you go. He's a teacher. Well, you know, again, everything could be a teacher. It doesn't mean that you uh, have to, you can include it, but it doesn't mean you have to be on the same team. Yeah. And this is what Ramdas talks about is... We, have, we interact on two levels, you know, the human level, human to human. I look at Donald Trump and I see chaos. I don't know, you know, part of me likes chaos. So there's a part yeah. of me that responds to that. And, and I look at Donald Trump and I see um, the good things I see is like uh, the working, the, the way the American political system actually works because this like embedded regime that had... Uh, apparently had designs to start an air war with Russia, you know, that and, and wanted to like, uh, apparently there's some kind of Soros has been implicated in some kind of awful, th like, you know, Hillary Clinton in the debates was already posturing against Putin. Yeah. In a really brazen way. Like, and, and Russia is a nuclear power. 
you know, why are you, wh- why do you, I, I don't know that strength and is the same as antagonizing. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. So there was, with Hillary Clinton, and also Hillary Clinton, they cheated. You know, so they cheated. They, they I wasn't, it's weird. My relationship to Hillary was very interesting because I did see her. I saw her as the lesser evil. Yeah. But, and I'll let you finish what you're saying, but with Trump being elected, there is a positive chaos within the chaos as well, which is probably what you're alluding to. The system's broken, as we know. It's outdated. Yeah. And with the singularity coming, it's like this updating yeah. within everything, within ours, yeah. within ourselves, within everything. You can see that quality of things needing to fall away, which yeah. is also in the quality of the numbers. 9-11 is all about towers falling, du- that yeah. falling of duality. So there's a part, and I'm a huge fan of the goddess Kali, was mm. with Trump being elected, the positive side of this chaos of, you know, once again, Hillary represented more of the same, yeah. of the broken same thing. Yeah. And as much as I don't like Trump, I am enjoying some parts of this. Toppled. They yeah. were toppled. They couldn't stop it. And they cheated. Now, that doesn't mean now. And because of that, there's a lot of karmas going on. They've got a deal Hillary Clinton's got a deal. Whoever it was at the DNC that like meddled in things and and wanted to manipulate things and make Donald Trump the Pied Piper candidate or whoever like blew wind into his sails for the rest of their lives, they have to deal with the fact that they didn't play by the rules. And because of that, Mm -hmm. to some degree, now maybe he would have gotten elected no matter what, but, but because of that, certainly the server stuff, whether or not it's a big deal or not a big deal, the truth is if she had gone by the rules there wouldn't have been a scandal she probably would have gotten elected but because of like that that anyway, sneakiness that sneakiness it got you know it opened this new it opened up for this regime to come in and you know in the beginning i was like oh fuck maybe he's gonna be maybe he is going to be like he's gonna legalize marijuana because he knows that's gonna make the economy boom but then he put sessions in who's like a vocal anti-marijuana advocate so i i don't know i know this for me i have gotten to the point where if i keep thinking about it too much because i know like my girlfriend and i we will watch alt-right youtube videos i like to try to i want to try to know both sides of the argument here yeah and to so the alt-right a lot of these youtube videos a lot of these people in the alt-right are way way more logical and focused and 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 rational than people on the left. Yeah. A lot of what they're saying is like, okay, you want free education for everybody. How do you intend to pay for that? What's your plan? Is it to take the money away from the top 1%? Is that your plan? You want to take the money away from the Well, what do you want? 90% tax rate for them? 100%? Do we just go full fucking Marxist and take all their money to send people to a college even though everyone's saying don't even go to college it's a useless endeavor the whole myth of college so you see all these like people on that side of things with a very rational logical way of looking at things and then people on the left are responding to that in this shrill way where it's like he fucking likes to get pissed on (laughs) he can't be president he likes fucking hot piss in his face it's like identity politics have not worked they're not going to work. So you're, the, the people who are engaging in that mode 
of trying to dethrone the incoming president with identity politics are fucking all of us. They're fucking all of us. Get rational. A lot of people like to get peed on. I'm not saying it's yeah. a sign of emotional health. But <laughs> it's not a sign. No, it's just like a sign. But it's just something that's not going to get a man impeached. It's a sign of too many martinis in Russia or something. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? But it's certainly like if that's. If the, you want to pee on someone, go ahead. Do but it. I, I do feel <coughs> I got peed on years ago. I'm not going to, you know, obviously mention the person's name, but he did have a lot of patriarchal misogynistic energy was his name donald (laughs) exactly can you imagine if i dated donald and i dirt i would be one of the first people to share it of course and he wouldn't care and 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 that he doesn't care he's like fine yeah whatever i think he could even say that he'd be like yeah that's true it makes people like him more that he goes yeah i peed on someone next i went to russia i paid some prostitutes to pee on each other i did do that and people like yeah i I did that once too yeah then he speaks for me he speaks for all of us (laughs) so it's like that so not so what I what what is dismaying to me is so, like I I know what I would like to see in the world I'd like to see the end of the prohibition of psychedelics and uh, and marijuana uh, I'd like to see a healthcare system that works for everybody uh, I don't think people should have to worry when they go to the doctor about whether or not their lives yes. financially are going to be crushed and uh, I'd love to figure out a way I'd love to see a way for people to make more money to raise the minimum wage without wrecking the economy or with, without creating the market pressure that's going to create sentient robots that do the jobs anyway, <laughs> which is going to happen no matter what. That's probably off the table. But the first two, maybe. So, and that's, I think, more of a liberal... Clean up our oceans. Clean up the oceans, Huge. too. Yeah. Environmental, uh, like, pr- pr- trying to bring back endangered species and interstellar travel, which Trump is actually into. But So that's, like, the, uh, I think, kind of left idea a leftist idea and so i've always sided with liberals and leftists but so many people now have become so shrill yeah and so illogical tight in the left yeah and if you dare even mention like well here's maybe a couple of good things about this guy they're like no no they get very trump like (laughs) yes they become the demon yeah they become the thing they hate and i'll tell you this um glenn greenwald wrote a great essay about the, the this new piss report or whatever it's called being a product of the deep state is what it's called so the idea is trump has made the classic mistake he has pissed off the intelligence community it's basically what they say the one thing you don't do as president you know it's like that great bill hicks joke which is like every new president comes in with all this like you know all this optimism and then they sit him down in a secret room and show him the kennedy assassination from an angle that doesn't exist yet that no one's ever seen so so it's like you don't fuck with the cia yeah you don't no one knows how big they are no one knows where their money's coming from no one knows what they do or but they definitely use the media to try to manipulate things they're really good at that they tried to, they, they, you know, they sent letters to Martin Luther King trying to drive him crazy to get him to commit suicide. They like, w- they are. Aren't they the ones that were playing um, him having sex with other people to his yes, wife? Yeah. Yes. That's what they do. Yeah. You don't fuck with them. You just don't. You're not supposed to anyway. So Donald Trump in his hubris <laughs> has been like, I don't need these intelligence briefings. These guys are idiots. That makes me like him actually. I don't in a weird way it does, but also it makes me think I think it's stupid, but I'm like, look at him just not giving a fuck. Have it, but then but now he's like the moment he does that, bam release of an intelligence report with an embarrassing sexual revelation which fits into the personality of the way the uh, intelligence community f- harasses people. And that's just the beginning. 
that just he's moving into the fucking white house like it's like he's moving in to a funhouse labyrinth created by the cia they probably have nanobots in every room oh that, they can know, make it haunted and poltergeist real quick that's right he's gonna start having i bet he's been having really weird dreams <laughs> Like some fucking weird... Little mini chemtrails with drones are flying yeah. through him while he's uh, asleep. Oh, what the fuck is yeah. that? I bet they're projecting some little lizard guy into his dreams. Like, hi, Donald. You're a pervert. <laughs> You're a dirty, dirty pervert. Pervert, pervert. Dirty, dirty. There's just some fucking super advanced, like, uh, terminal underneath the Pentagon where the CIA <laughs> is just, like, drinking beers and just fucking just drive him crazy. This is so fun. And you'll you'll see it, man. He's going to get fatter. His hand's gonna get weird or he's gonna start getting like a tremble oh. in his hand see i am feeling bad for donald see there you go now you have compassion yeah there you could well that's the thing anyone you can really everyone has their own story and if told correctly we're yeah. talking movie style right but that's how this all is like if, yeah. if seen in the cor- correct or the right perspective you can have compassion for anyone sure he's clearly just a product of this like white power you know guy complex where he was raised in that thing and this is what makes you successful he didn't know any better who knows or he yeah, could have gotten I'm creating a story by legions of demons in some dark ritual underneath trump tower and like he could be we just don't know what he is all all, all i can he's do, reptilian i can just think like where is that motherfucker inside of me like well the things i like about him where are those things in me and the things that freak me out where is that inside of me? And then just deal with that because the truth of the matter is none of us are going to, uh, in some quick and easy way, uh, get rid, stop what's happening from happening. And definitely alienating and ostracizing people who feel happy about this new left turn in the history of the United States isn't going to help anything either. But simultaneously empathizing with a being that, you don't necessarily you haven't found the way to do it is a dishonesty too so it's like it's a confusion talk about doing the dance being the cosmic surfer it's really choppy interesting waves that we're all in right now yeah and we're like we're learning a new dance and it's going to keep getting trickier as you said as the novelties keep popping up yeah and fear is going to pop up and then joy and just learning how to integrate that into our system on a cellular level and re-alchemizing ourselves is really what's taking place if you allow it to happen if you if you resist forget it yeah have fun have fun <laughs> listen to the podcast if you're resisting because that is not the way to go you're just going to be in hell yeah. literally trapped in that evil malhut world where you're just like what's happening and you think you're going crazy well this is uh one of my favorite quotes from the ramdas retreats that i go to there's a yoga teacher named saraswati marcus if she's ever in town, you should have her on the podcast. But uh, oh my god, I would she love said, to. The bridge between suffering and grace is surrender. And the moment you do what Timothy Leary advised, lift up your legs and float downstream. As insane as this particular part of the simulation may be, if you recognize this has been authored by a hilarious eternal benevolence that we can't really understand at ever. If you just even that is as fucking naive and stupid as that sounds, because you know people say God. All right, well you you can you can't you can't. So the idea is God is benevolent, omniscient, and all powerful, but you can't have those three things at once. You can only, you can only have two of those things, or only, you you can have omniscient, benevolent, omniscient, all powerful, <clears throat> but 
how can you say this fucking thing is benevolent, at least from our idea, when there's clearly moments of the most intense, insane, inexplicable suffering that yeah. happen in the world? So I get it. I don't know. My, I don't know. That's the end of my rope for that one. But if you let yourself just imagine, well, somehow the equation is solved for all three of those in a way that I don't understand just yet, and you sink back into that embrace, wow then yeah, everything clicks into place and that's when you start smiling and that's where you're smiling yeah. no matter what particular ferocious form the universe is taking in your life. Or crying in a <coughs> freeing t kind of way. Yes, absolutely. You Whatever that emotion is when you enter the state and let it exist, uh, it's so freeing. And sometimes you're feeling joy and sadness at once and there are different sure. cocktails of emotions. I used to fight big time when I was confused like I would, I'd be like I don't know what this feeling is oh my god panic and I've learned my healer calls it the cosmic washing machine she's like let yourself be tumbled mm. your your problem is that you think there's a problem yeah just you know there's that whole story of the the people lost in Egypt yes it's the human condition we are going to be lost a lot of the time but right. there's not a problem in being lost zero the fool, right? Is yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the first card in the tarot deck yeah. actually what is, is the that, fool. Talk about that card. I love that card. It's you know, the fool is about really it's kinda like being be here now, being in that present moment and allowing yourself to be lost makes yourself found in that sense. Yeah. So suppose I always say this when I pull the fool card for someone, suppose there is a a monster around the corner whatever that monster really is getting yeah. fired from your job your house burning down that's pretty extreme yeah you can't take yourself out of that present moment by worrying 10 steps from now what's going to happen right it's about coming back you can hold space for that fear but coming back and being right there in that moment even if you're lost even if you're confused and not worrying or escaping your body mm by going 10 steps ahead, 20 steps ahead. Because if you Off do that, cliff. you're going to always miss your life. It's just all a series of now. What does the now, little now, white now. dog mean? You know, I, I take that as... I'm going to feel into that one, actually. It depends, because normally I read the energy of the person with the card. Yeah, read my energy. What does it mean? What it would mean for you. A beautiful naivety. A beautiful hope. Cool. that we all have as young children like think of you with this white dog this yeah. complete joy yeah and it's it's just yeah it's like it's that allowance when you're with that dog you are with that dog and there's this beautiful naive love you know i'm, I'm picturing i'm actually picturing my son with you a lot not with you but like as that innocence of like not being concerned about the death of the dog yeah. just this companion that you uh, get to enjoy right that's now cool and not having that adult like, oh, but the dog, then I have to feed the dog. Yeah. And I have to, you know, it's just being able to enjoy all of it right then. Wow, that is so cool. Beautiful. I love it. I love tarot cards because they're really just each little, you know, snippets of what we are all going to go through as a human. Where does the fool land on the Kabbalistic tree of life? I don't even know. They have, some people have tried to... Put I've got tarot it. cards with it. I've got the p poster and I can't remember where. I've seen it. Um, I haven't, I haven't spent too much time putting them together because, like I said, the way I do my healing work, whether it's right or wrong, is so much through feeling. I'm one of the most sensitive, emotional mm. people, and when I try, like I, I, I've read "Be Here Now" a million times, but there are certain books that I own that when I try to read them, it doesn't 
stick. Right. I, I like try to take in. I've tried to read the yeah. Bhagavad Gita. I've tr- I have all the books on my bookshelf and it won't stick in there. Yeah. It's like I'm meant to feel into it. And I think I have a lot of knowledge, but it's like until it's actually embodied in me. Yeah. It serves no good for me or something. Sure. I don't know what it is. I know what you mean. Exactly yeah. what you mean. Sometimes things just, yeah. I, like it fl- but it's like annoying because yeah. people will ask me a question because I'm obsessed with this work. And I'm like, fuck, I think I read that book. But I mean, I have a book by, so, you know, Ram Dass's teacher, Maharaji. Yeah. I'm obsessed with him and Hanuman and I have all the images. Yes. And Hanuman visits me a lot, actually. Wow. Like I'll, I'll I, I was finding fruit in my purse out of nowhere constantly wow. and that was like he was a trickster maharaji and yes big thing with fruit so i have those connections to things and i have his book but when it comes to actually reading and holding in that knowledge it just fly it's so frustrating well he would you know yeah he, that's one of the things he would do is is people would be you know as they're sitting around him some people would would meditate or get very serious and he would throw fruit at them yeah. to snap them out of that because it was really just an escape maybe maybe not to get away from the potency of what he was. So that was part of the game that he played with people was um, not letting them get so like serious or letting them write about him. You know, he didn't yeah. want anyone to write, write like someone had written all these sayings that he said and he like made them throw the book away. Cause he's like, that's not, that's not what it is. I think about him all the time. <laughs> you do? Yeah. I mean, once like, I, I I had two cats named uh, Kirtan and Hanuman. Wow. My ex has them. I hope you're enjoying the cats. And uh, <laughs> I'm fine with it, clearly. No, but um, because Hanuman is such a vibration and Maharaji, because I think Maharaji talked about how he was Hanuman in the incarnated mm. form. Um, although there's a part of me that thinks we're all, all of those deities. Yes. You know, so, but... I call on him because there was such this energy of not taking yourself too seriously. He was a prankster. He was someone who also was allowed to have crazy mood swings where people would come to meet him and he'd send them away and yell at them like crazy, but then they'd keep coming back. And then next thing you know, he's like, Oh, come in, (laughs) come in and here's some food. And I think about that when I get into this perfectionistic state of what I'm supposed to be, I call on Maharaji as like, he wasn't a quote unquote perfect being. He was throwing people out and yelling one moment and then completely encompassing them with love and making them weep just with yeah. a look. And I try to remember that, that this human condition isn't about getting to a place that we're not already at. It's more like a settling into the fact we're already whole perfect beings yeah. with our mood swings with I get, you know, bitchy or cranky and judgy. And I'm like, no, that's that doesn't exclude my godliness. And that's why you need that. That's why it's good to have some a Maharaji in your life because that being looks at you as and sees behind the yeah. veil of your own e- identity and, and uh, underneath it. Uh, Matt, to be loved in the way that he apparently was, what it was like to be around him. Because it wasn't a... It wasn't an ambiguous, or it wasn't like a, what's the word for it? It wasn't a, the type of love was not impersonal, like kind of, oh, I just love everything that comes in front of me. It was like, I see everything about you, everything, not just from this one, this lifetime, but from every lifetime, all the things you've done. And I love, I love it so much. And I like, I love you so, so much. And that effect on people 
was which life changing. I've, I've met many of his devotees, and they're all. Some of them can't talk about him without crying to this day. Like if they mention him, if they mention him at all, they'll just start crying because it was too much. Like what what he was doing was too much. And what's really interesting about him as a guru is that he he didn't he just slipped out of the world. Like he didn't have a bank account. He didn't have no one really knew where he came from. No one really they called him I love it. <laughs> love I love him so much. I love that way of being because it's so unknown yeah it's like he came and slipped into his avatar slipped out he had a family in. yeah i love that too yeah. he had a wife and neem karoli baba just means neem karoli is the name of a train station that's I didn't it. know that yeah neem karoli baba the baba from neem karoli train wow. station but also he um he would also try to escape from the his devotees too like they would he would they would try to keep him he would say he was going to use the bathroom and climb out a window and go down the wall and vanish and they wouldn't find him again for months so he was like his interactions it with does them. sound like me at some parties social settings he I'm made like, french exits all yeah, the time exactly. yeah they would be so brokenhearted when he left i actually we have to wrap it up uh because i could keep talking about this stuff for hours and me i'm sure too. scott's like okay kate um but thank you so much for coming on. I was My so pleasure. excited to meet you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There, it's not often that everyone wants to geek out about this kind of stuff. Although it is changing, as you know, people are slowly waking yes. up with all the stuff that's coming. So that's right. more people are coming to me like, you got to go to the Ramdas retreats. Oh, I, well, they're, they're a decent amount of money. Yeah. And I'm in a tighter spot, although it's shifting. I just did a big move in many ways. You know, bring when your, I say move, I moved into a whole new space. Bring your boy. Oh my God, he would love it. And there's a lot of kids that, that go really? to Really? Yeah, lots. Yeah, they're all wandering around, all these like hippie kids. Like, and there's a lot of kirtan chanting yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, every night there's kirtan. And yeah. then, um, I don't know at the spring retreat who's doing the kirtan. It might be Krishna Das, but... I love Krishna Das. It's incredible, yeah. To be around Ram Das, like I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. I couldn't even imagine you know I, i'm such a huge fan and i can just feel him through even th his texts i can feel his quality and yeah um yeah it would be a dream to get to you have to come. meet him i'm gonna make it happen this is a big year for me of shifting away from that like survival maybe i can help you make it happen that would be awesome cool yeah i get I, like I, i'm getting emotional just thinking about it just thinking about that that could be a possibility could be a possibility and i'm gonna probably cry yeah just thinking it's a possibility like my life I was sharing a room with my son up until a week and a half ago. And then I moved into a whole yeah. new space. And it's just like, once again, right. It's, it's this whole thing of you can create your life. And Absolutely. if you feel limited, you're limited. And I'm starting to be like, wait, I, I could go and meet no Ram Dass. Yeah. Well, thank you. This was an honor to have <laughs> you, you on. Thank you. Krishna. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, real quick, where can people find you? Um, I have a podcast called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour Podcast. And it's at DuncanTrussell.com. Awesome. And are you on Twitter, Instagram? I'm on Twitter at Duncan Trussell on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. And then guys, you can find me on, I just started a Patreon account, by the way. Cool. So you guys can find me on there if you would like to support. And tarot card readings, if you would like one, it's KWolf27. Let's get this being to Maui. Yes. To meet Ramdas and Neem Karoli Baba. Man, I can't even imagine. Well, my life is shifting this year. So yeah, hit me up if you want a tarot card reading, kwolf27 at gmail.com. And my next Going Deep event is in Philadelphia, February 26th. I would love to see you guys there. And thank you so much for listening. Bye.